Amen. That should give us some comfort today that even when we don't see it, that our God is working. Even when we don't feel it, he is still working. I don't know about you, but I've been in that position several times in my life where things are just not working out. Things are not going the way that I hoped that they would be. And, and um, like we see sometimes in the Psalms, to cry out to God and, and say, where are you? What are you doing? But even through my ignorance, even through the ways that I have messed things up or I've turned away from God, he has always been there. He has been there and working, 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 working. Even when I don't feel it, I don't see it. I don't know it. He is always at work. And I, I have the fortune to look back on those times. And, and now, I couldn't see it at the time, but now when I look back, I can see, man, how far he's brought me, how far he's brought, brought my, my family, my, my loved ones. And just to see his, his hand at work, and that is, is, is truly um, exciting, and I'm so thankful for that. Hopefully you see the... Same for you, yourself, and in your life as well. Turn with me to um, the Gospel of Mark. We'll be in chapter 13 this morning. If you would turn with me there in your copy of God's Word, we're starting chapter 13. Today we're going to talk about the end times. You know, of all the things that we see in the Bible, there's a lot of things that are very clear. They're very easy to understand. But for some reason... It's the things that are more difficult, the things that seem to be uh, mysterious, so to speak, that people tend to glob onto. You know, the love your neighbor part, I, I get that, whatever, whatever, love my neighbor. Yeah, I get it. Oh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, peace, love, patience, kindness. And, oh, yeah, whatever, that's, that's fine. But tell me when Jesus is going to come. That's what people want to sink their teeth into. And they just want to uh, just float over everything else. But there's a reason that, that, that God made some things so very clear for us and some things that are mysterious for us. We want to look at and talk about the end times, and we can't even do the easy stuff. It's like uh, we, we need to start at kindergarten before we get to high school. You, you got to learn how to do uh, addition and subtraction before you get to quantum physics. But for some reason, this is something that people just say, they, their eyes perk up and they, they want to know and then, then start talking about prophecies and if they're true or not. So let's dive into what God has to say for us here in chapter 13 in the gospel of Mark. Jesus addresses various issues that are related to the end times. And this section that we're going to jump into is known as the Olivet Discourse. As they stood on the Mount of Olives as they were overlooking Jerusalem. So in our text today, and there's going to be a part two next week. So go ahead and mark your calendars. Make sure you're here in the building so you can hear part two of this as well. Jesus gives us explicit instructions on how to prepare for the end times. Is that exciting? Is, is there something for you to look forward to, something to seek your teeth in? Uh, I'm going to show you here in the text exactly what Jesus is telling us uh, how to prepare for the end times. Firstly, the first thing that Jesus tells us is that deception is coming. 
As a matter of fact, if you were to just look out, I mean, if you're not living under a rock, you should know that deception is already here. We're already uh, attempting to be deceived. There's so many things that people talk about, uh, whether it's, it's true or not, and is, is this biblical or not? Is, is Jesus a real person or not? Is, is the Bible true or written by God and, and breathed out? Is it profitable for all these things? So Jesus himself is saying deception is coming. But we, again, we know that it's already here. So knowing this, we need to be careful that we are not being led astray. And I can't stress this enough. This is the reason why we're here. This is, hopefully, this is the reason why you come to, to worship. Now, not, not only just to, to worship, that's the most important part here, is to, to recognize and acknowledge our Father in heaven, to give him the praise that he rightly deserves. But he, he gives us his, his written word, this word that he's breathed out, this, this truth that we have here so we can dive in and understand what he has to say to us and so that we can know the truth from a lie but it doesn't stop here on Sunday mornings, brothers and sisters. This You've got to continue. I want to equip you so you can be able to go home Monday through Saturday and be able to dive into God's word. That's why we have the reading plan so that you can uh, uh, go in and, and, and see more. We can't, man, I wish we could just stay here. And, you know, back in the Old Testament days, people would go to the temple and they would stay for hours upon hours to hear uh, the God's, God's word be proclaimed and, and preached. But I don't know that you guys want to listen to me that much. So instead, you got to do your work at home. Uh, jump into our Bible reading plan. The five days uh, that we go and we're reading the Bible together uh, from, from Genesis to Revelation so that, one, we can get to know God and who he is, and two, we can know the truth from a lie. It started in the very beginning with the serpent. The serpent comes and twists the truth just enough for Adam and Eve to commit sin. And it's still happening today. Let's look in our copy of God's word, Mark chapter 13, and hear what Jesus says um, then and what he's saying to us now. Mark 13 and 1. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what wondrous stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And he said on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, and Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things come to be? And what will the sign, uh, what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and the rumor of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For the nation will rise above nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. So here Jesus and his disciples are going through and they're walking through the temple. One of the disciples as they're walking through is admiring the architecture of the building and going on, they're, they're sightseeing. 
and they're just going through and look at, oh, man, this is so nice. Man, look at how everything is so ornate and, and everything. And he pulls Jesus. Hey, Jesus, this is, this is great, right? And this building is so awesome that they, they built this, don't you think? And Jesus comes and he pours some cold water on the situation. He's not there to sightsee. He's not there to admire the architecture. And he goes directly into teaching mode. The disciples were probably wondering why and, and how this beautiful place could be left empty. They're going through this temple and virtually nobody is there. So Jesus predicts that the temple would be destroyed. And sure enough, 40 years later in 70 AD, the Romans went through Jerusalem. They went through killing millions of Jews and completely demolished this very temple. It was so bad that the only stones that were left were these, these huge foundational stones that were part of the, the temple edifice to, to hold everything up. Look with me in verse 4. Where he says, uh, uh, the disciples go and say, tell us when these things will come to be and what will be the sign of all these things that are about to be accomplished. Here, Peter, James, and John, as well as Andrew, they, they were just confused. Because uh, remember, they're they are with Jesus and they expected Jesus to take his rightful place on the throne and to, to be the, the conquering king. So they, they asked these two questions. When will the temple be destroyed and, and when will the kingdom be? And they say that the kingdom is at hand. Jesus has been telling them this over and over again. They were getting excited. All right, it's about to come to pass. All this, this oppression and, and everything that's taking place is going to come to the end because here is Jesus to reign this through. The second question they ask is, what event would be the sign that the kingdom would begin? And probably not very different than us, the disciples, they expected something miraculous to take place. Uh, just uh, the snap of the finger, the wave of the hand from Jesus like a brilliant light and an angel to come down and announcing the kingdom of heaven. This is what they were looking forward to. This is what they were expecting. And Jesus answered them in verse 4, saying, See that no one leads you astray. Like, hey, I know that not only you are looking forward to this, not only you are uh, thinking about uh, what you dreamed of and this, this man, man to come and to rule in a way, but I've got something completely different in mind. Something else is going to take place. So he says, because people are looking for one thing and it's going to be something else, make sure you don't get led astray. Just because it sounds good, because it feels good, because it, it aligns with what you're already thinking, that's not necessarily what it's meant to be. Make sure nobody leads you astray. False prophets will come forward claiming to be the Messiah. They will be the deliverer, claiming to offer solutions to the world's problems. We'll take care of this. All this will go away. Some will even claim to be Christ himself. Can you believe this? I mean, it sounds far-fetched to us, but we've seen this over and over time and time again. We, we've seen so many cult leaders come and say that they are the, the second coming or they are God or whatever have you leading people astray. You wonder, like, how do they fall in, into this? 
how were they subjected to this? Well, I submit to you is, is mostly because they don't know the scriptures. Remember when Jesus told the, 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 the Pharisees and the scribes that you don't, you don't know what you're doing. You don't even know the word. And the same is true for us. We don't, this, this Bible reading plan that we're doing, uh, it's 15 minutes every morning, maybe 30 minutes if you read slow like I do. That's all. If you look at the course of the 24 hours that you have in a day, 30 minutes is probably nothing. I know I easily waste 30 minutes each day that there is. 30 minutes for you to jump into God's word and to be able to understand what he is saying to us so that we're not led astray. There's a church cult known as the World Mission Society Church of God. It was started in 1964 in South Korea. I'm going to butcher his name by An Sung Hung who started this church, and he called it the Church of God, Jesus, and Witnesses. So he died. He started in, in 1964, and he died in 1985. And after his death, people of the church that he started, um, they started to get some ideas. I mean, they were really fond of their founder, which there's nothing wrong with on the basis of it. But they said, well, uh, let's augment this a little bit. You know, we admire our founder so much. We believe that he is the second coming of Christ. We believe because he was the second coming of Christ and he founded, he was so benevolent. He's no longer here, but his wife is. So if, if he was the second coming of Christ, if, and, and sticking with the Trinity, and not only second coming of Christ, but he was God the Father and God and the Holy Spirit, surely his wife is God the mother. She's still around. And so they created this, this whole thing around this new church called the, the World Mission Society Church of God around this idea that Jesus had already come in their father and the wife that was still around was God the mother. It's funny enough, uh, I, I found out about this because they came to my door one day. So they have a big church in Naperville, actually. They've got, uh, I think it was 175 different churches um, in various countries and stuff. And we just happened to have one close by in Naperville. But they came to my house one day, and, and I was fortunate enough to be there and actually answer the door. So Libby actually gets most of these people, but I'm the one that loves to talk to them. And fortunately, I was there and able to answer the door. And, this is the first, and they start talking about, hey, have you heard of God the mother? I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> what is it that you're talking about? And she, she said, you know, kind of similar to what we see from Jehovah's Witness. They have different scriptures and they, they just flip around real fast and everything. And, and they take, take me to Genesis and they say, hey, here it's going to say we, we created um, a man in our image. So who is our there had to be a man and, and, and a woman because they created man and female. I'm like, I don't think that means what you think it means. They flipped around back and forth. And uh, man, we had a, I thought we had a good conversation, but they never came back for some reason. But you would be surprised. And I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. If, if you just clearly read what is written in scripture, you would start to ask some questions that don't align with what it is that you're talking about. Just read it. 
And, and so here we are. Um, Jesus is telling us, don't be led astray. First John um, chapter 2 and 18 says, children, it is the last hour and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming and so many Antichrists have come. Antichrist meaning against Christ. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. The number of false Christs will increase as the in uh, the last years come. And as we continue to progress, we'll see more and more false prophets. So it will be much more important that we know what the truth is and not be led astray. Because we are going to, if we don't, if you think we're already being bombarded, it's only to get worse. It's only yet to get worse. So Jesus used the analogy of birth pains, where um, at the end of a pregnancy, uh, where you have birth pains, at first they're infrequent, and the closer you get to the birth, then they become more and more frequent. They continue to escalate in nature until the child is born. So we can expect that the ills of the world to progressively increase and then escalate to a massive and tragic proportions just prior to Christ's second coming. This is what we can expect to see. So Jesus tells us that deception is coming. And, and again, in fact, we know that we already have deception here. It's already now. It's already live. They're already at work. But he also tells us that while we can expect persecution, we should not be anxious. While we can expect persecution, we should not be anxious. Look with me in verse 9 of chapter 13. It says, be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and the kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must be first proclaimed to all the nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say. Whatever it is, is given in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will deliver brother over to death and the father, his child, and the children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So here we see from the mouth of Jesus that there will be trouble on a, a global as well as personal level. So we'll start to see these changes in, in the world that is going to be more and more against Christ, but also we'll see them in our own personal lives, those who profess to be Christians and Christ followers. So we must be aware. Don't be led astray. And in fact, be on your guard, Jesus says. Once we finish with the gospel of Mark, we'll, we'll go into Acts and we'll get to see where um, a lot of this starts to unfold, the beginning of the church and the persecution that comes with it. The main goal here in this portion of text is the importance of proclaiming the gospel. I don't want you to miss this. We uh, preach the gospel because it is good news. As, as, as terrible as things were in 2020, we still had good news, although we didn't really act like it. 
the God who has created the universe and everything that's in it has sustained uh, us from the beginning of time, who, who, who saved his people and were with his people through uh, pestilence and, and slavery and all these other things. This, this little pandemic is nothing to him. And so we should remember this. This great commission calls us to make disciples of all nations. This Greek word nations is, is uh, the Greek word ethne. It was where we get the, the term ethnicity. So all the ethnic people of and all people groups must hear the gospel before the end comes. Now, this should propel us. If you don't love your neighbor enough to preach the gospel to him, maybe the fact that the end times will come once the nations hear all the gospel. That means we need to get on our job. We need to go and proclaim the good news, not just here in Bolingbrook, but to the ends of the earth. Because when everybody has this opportunity and more and more people hear the gospel, that puts us closer to when Jesus is going to come. That makes me excited. That should propel us to want to tell it to anybody who would want to hear. And even if they don't want to, you'd be telling them the good news, that they know the name of Jesus Christ. So we shouldn't be discouraged. All of this has been accounted for in God's plan. And speaking of God's plan, each day, I'm just reminded how God has orchestrated everything that there is. Everything, especially when I look at my own life. Again, as I mentioned earlier, as I look back on where I've been and where I come from, where I'm going, I can see God's handiwork. I can see what he's done in my own life. I often tell you that 20 years ago that I would have never imagined that I'd be here as a pastor today, speaking in front of a group of people. I was, was much better off being in a cubicle, not talking to anybody. But God had different plans for me. I've been in corporate IT for over 20 years, and I went from building complete computers to leading multiple teams over various states responsible for million dollars of revenue. And never really understood why this, this stuff was happening until uh, God had called me to, to be a pastor and to, pro- to proclaim his word and to lead his people. And I get to use all those things that I've learned as, as a leader, as a presenter. All these things have been directly applicable to what God has me doing now. He was all along preparing me to be the man that you see before you today. And I'm not special, by the way. He is preparing you. If you look back on your own life and and where you've been, everything that you are doing, the people that you've come into contact is not by accident. He has a plan for you as well. To use you to build his kingdom, to proclaim his word. That should be exciting as well. The God of the universe who spoke and everything came to be cares about me. He wants to use me. He can even use a donkey. So, of course, he can use you. This is is something that should propel us here. Brothers and sisters, the same is true for you. In sharing the gospel, we we should not be concerned about what we will say or what we would do. Text says here this morning that we can trust in the Holy Spirit to give us what to say and do. This is why many of us don't share the gospel. We're like, I just don't know. 
Well, first of all, if you are uh, uh, with us, I'm going to hammer this home today. If you are with us reading every day in our Bible reading plan, you would know more of what God's will is when he puts you in a position to share his gospel, um, you, you stand on that. But regardless of that, the Holy Spirit is going to be at work in you and give you what to say. You know, I, I spend um, weeks preparing uh, these messages from, from week to week. I didn't think I would be able to do it as busy as I am in my other job and everything else that I have going on. I, the one thing I was like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to uh, preach a sermon for 50 weeks in a year. I just don't know I can do it. I can't do it, matter of fact, but God is doing it. And sometimes I stand up here even through my preparation or after weeks and weeks of praying and, and reading uh, commentaries and, and different things like that. I still get up here and say stuff that's not in my notes, and it's the Holy Spirit that is speaking to you. God is going to give you what you need when you need it. You have to trust him. It helps for you to be prepared too as well. But God is going to do the work. So praise God that we have the Holy Spirit who empowers us and who enables us to say the right thing in the right way at the right time. Praise God for that, that we have this wonderful counselor. Because this opposition from the government, we've already started to see it with the new administration, this opposition from the government, it will be harsh. You think this is bad? It will get worse then we will look forward to the rejection from our families, from our friends, and this will certainly be difficult as well. But this is the reality that awaits us. We're already getting a taste of it. All we have to do is look at our brothers and sisters around the world and in church history to understand that we are privileged, that we've been here in America, but at some point, the comfort that we see here in America will come to an end as well. Even though we'll be hated by the world because of our faith and our witness to Christ, Jesus tells us that we should be encouraged because the one who endures to the end will be delivered. We'll jump into this last part in um, verse 14. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be. Let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back and turn his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that is not that it may not happen in the winter. For in those days there will be such a tribulation as to uh, not been seen from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and will never be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being should be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened those days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. He tells us again, be on guard. I have told you all these things 
beforehand. Now, this is a, a sermon all in its own as we talk about the abomination of desolation, the tribulation that is coming. This is the stuff that people get jazzed up about, this interesting topic that people just love to discuss. But uh, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, depending on what side you are, I only have time to scratch the surface for us this morning. But this abomination of desolation is a phrase that we see that's repeated from Daniel 9, 11, and 12. Jesus is connecting this phrase to communicate to us this tremendous suffering and tribulation that is yet to come. This points to the Antichrist's ultimate desecration of God's temple, the tribulation that will occur in conjunction with the Antichrist's desecration and will not be anything like we have ever dreamed or have seen. And the extent of this tribulation will be cut short by the Lord for those who are elect and are called. Again, another story for another time. There will be false Christs, false prophets, who will lead others astray by performing signs and wonders. Jesus tells us, do not be led astray. He tells us to be on guard. He tells us to be cautious. These signs and wonders do not affirm God's presence. If you remember back in Exodus with Moses and, and God was telling him to go to Pharaoh to let my people go. He tells Moses and Aaron to do some specific things. And when they did them in front of Pharaoh, what happened? They had magicians there. They're like, all right, well, we can do that too. Oh, you threw down your staff and made some snakes? <laughs> we can do that. Well, there will be a time where we will see these false prophets, these false Christ who will come and do these wondrous signs and look, hey, I'm the Christ of the second coming. Don't be led astray. Be on your guard. Know your word. So that you will be able to tell. It's going to be so bad that even though, uh, even the people who are written in the book of life, the people that God has chosen before the foundation of the world, even if they're not careful, they can almost slip too. So you want to be sure that you know that you know that you know. You understand who God is and what he said to his people. So you don't get duped. Jesus isn't giving us a date. He's not um, calling us to identify the Antichrist, the false prophet, or the four horsemen of the apocalypse. But what does he tell us to do? He gives us direct instruction. This is what we started in the beginning. He tells us exactly what he wants us to do in order for us to prepare for these end times. What is that? Again, it's the simple stuff. Even though I mentioned, you probably don't remember, you, you skipped over that. You're so enthralled and, okay, when is the Antichrist going to come in the end times? What's it going to look like? But let's go back to the simple, the, 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 the clear thing that Jesus has told us. He tells us to stay on our guard. He tells us to stay awake. Don't be led astray. No one knows the end but God. God knows when the end will come. And since the end will be sudden, it's imperative that we be ready, that we be constantly faithful. A friend of mine told me years ago, um, 
you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. Stay ready. Be on your guard. Don't be led astray. So if you're not um, in our Bible reading plan, you don't have to be even be in our Bible reading plan. I mean, it's cool that we can read through together. We can have some discussions. But even if it's not our reading plan, get in the Word. Regularly, daily, it's preferable. Spend 15 to 30 minutes hearing what God has to say to you through his word so that you can get ready, so that you can be ready, so that you won't be led astray. Even in the garden when the serpent said, oh, hey, um, God didn't really say that. He just doesn't want you to be like him. Adam and Eve should have been like, no, man, I know, I know what God said. I know what he said. He didn't, that's not what he said. He said, don't eat from that tree. And I'm not going to eat on the tree. The time will come for us. Well, we'll be asked, or the scripture will be twisted just enough. And I don't want any of us to be led astray. Be on your guard. Let's pray. Father, I just want to come to you today and and thank you for making the plain things plain. Our flesh and and everything that's going on in life, it it draws us and the enemy is drawing us to things that are, are frankly, less important. But Father, that you uh, just made the main thing the main thing. Help us to focus on that. Uh, Everything that we are doing, help us to align with what you have said in your word. It's easy, but it may not be simple. But, Father, just to continue to work on us, continue to, to, to pursue us and to draw us, uh, help us to see where we can make time in our schedule for uh, uh, coming to you uh, and reading of your scripture, to come to you in, in prayer and give us the confidence needed to go and, and share the good news, uh, even amongst each other that we talk about. Uh, hey, brother, this is what I read today, and this is how it moved me. This is how I'm applying it to my life today. What is it that you've learned from God's word? Help us to do that and be courageous in it. And for people who are, are hopeless in this world, in, in Bolingbrook and even beyond, that you would give us the confidence, you would give us to say and what to say it so that they might know in the name of Jesus. They might have hope in the midst of this hopeless world. Help to strengthen us and encourage us and make us strong uh, based on the foundation that you've laid before us. Father, we thank you for everything that you've done and things that you will continue to do. And thank you for, for, for covering us and, and protecting us and also strengthening us. We pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.